Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wartman coming to you live from the Dream Imagine Sports Studios. It's Friday, May 17th. It's 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call and all time zones in between. Thanks for tuning into the show. Thanks for joining us. Not only is it Friday, it's a good day. It's uh, my oldest son's birthday. Happy 14th, Jaden. Um, a lot going on uh, Last night The U.S. women's national team Played to a crowd Of over 25,000 in St. Louis And won again 5-0 to zero Against New Zealand um, Wasn't really spectacular For the first part of the first half But they kind of got it Kicked into gear uh, As the game went on and, uh, you know, 5-0, um, you know, another tune-up game in the books, getting ready for the World Cup coming up this summer in France, World Cup 2019 for our women's national team. So, uh, you know, that that is uh, one more step towards uh, the ultimate prize, which is winning it again and uh, trying to go back-to-back World Cup winners. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough challenge this summer, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how they progress and, um, and, and how it goes. Also, yesterday, the CONCACAF U-17 final between Mexico and the United States took place, and Mexico won um, in, in extra time, overtime, 2-1. to one. Um the U.S. had a lot of chances in the first half, didn't put them away, and it ultimately came back to bite them as they lost 2-1 to one to Mexico. Mexico uh, are yet again CONCACAF U-17 champions. Both will go to the U-17 World Cup, but, um, you know, all of this talk about progress in America and how, how far we've come and we've made all of this progress, it when you are judging that progress only on yourself in, in an isolationist view, uh, it is easy to think that you've made all this progress because you think back to maybe what was in the past. You know, we didn't have certain, you know, academies or infrastructure or what have you. But the truth is, when you look at the results, if you look at what we're doing around the world, we, we're not any farther today than we were 10, 15, 20 years ago in terms of results. It's, it, we're, we're not actually progressing. We're not dominating our region, and we are certainly not um, beating everyone around the world. We all know this. So when, when you hear these platitudes, 
you need to you know, we all need to just kind of take a step back and and evaluate what are we doing in the context of the global conversation that view is much more helpful than the view of isolationism so it's real easy to, to go, well, we want to just measure ourselves against ourselves, what we've done in the past, what we're doing better. You know, what, let, let's show some in, incremental progress here and there. And and, and let's let's, you know, uh, let, let's promote that progress. Let's let's say that, you know, we're here and we're this and we're that. And, but the truth is we need we really need to be taking a look at what we're doing in the context of the global game. And that, that goes for everything with the Federation. That goes domestic leagues, that goes national teams, that goes policies, et cetera. We need to evaluate, you know, what are we doing? Um, you know, our women's team has been the uh, Cadillac of, of women's national teams uh, around the world for decades. And, and they should be celebrated in that way. They are drawing crowds that are three to four times the size of the U.S. men's national team. And, um, and, and so when we look at, you know, the treatment and, and, and the lawsuits that, that are in the system, two of which, one from Hope Solo, one from the U.S. women's national team, talking about discrimination, talking about the lack of equal treatment. When we look at all of those things, it's, it's clear to see that our women's national team is not getting uh, taken care of in the way that it should be getting taken care of. And, and it's simply not right. We should be setting the standard for the gold Cadillac treatment of a women's national team. We should be the shining light on a hill that the world looks to when they say, not only is your women's national team top quality, but the way that your women's national team is treated is top quality. And, and that should be our mantra. That's what leadership looks like. Um, when, when, when a federation is leading, not reacting, but leading, it is, it is taking your country, your federation, your national team programs, your domestic leagues, it is leading them into a higher level, a higher level of excellence, a higher level of operation, of treatment, etc. It's always pushing the bar forward. It's being aggressive. What we see now is more of a management, and, and that's across the federation. It's more, it's more about managing what we're doing. It's about managing expectations. It's about managing um, conflict, managing you know legal threats and lawsuits, managing status quo. It's not about building the future. It's not about leading us into a, an age of dominance um, domestically, uh, internationally, with our national teams, with our domestic leagues, with our player development programs. Everything we're doing is catch up, catch up, catch up, catch up. But the truth is we're not catching up. We're not, we're not even staying up uh, or, or close to in relation to the, the world leaders. They are constantly looking at ways to get better. The one advantage that, Amer that America has over the world is our sports economy. It is second to none. It is the best sports economy in the world. And, and, and we don't utilize that in soccer. We don't 
um, capitalize on the opportunity, on the potential of American soccer because of our American sports economy, which is which is dwarfs the world. But we we don't tap into that, and 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 the 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 thing about this conversation of progress is that when we look at Europe and we look at the top clubs in Europe, the top leagues in Europe, and and we see some of the conversations they're having and some of the actions that they are taking. La Liga, and we've discussed this on the show, has realized that what the Premier League started 20 years before them is something they should have been doing and are trying to play catch up to do, meaning taking the commercial side, taking the international side, taking the 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 off the field promotions, et cetera, more seriously and figuring out ways to really reach into a global marketplace. And that includes and is top of the list is is tapping into the US. We have got to have the a a, a leadership change in terms of mentality or and or personnel at the Federation to realize that our opportunity to to tap into our our resources it is vast and and time is ticking the world is catching up on the commercial side and they've already they're they're already beating us by miles on the sporting side so we've got to we've got to start to build and and work on a way to take us from where we are to where we need to be to where we want to go and and one of the things that that I think we've got to, d- to do is to take a hard look in the mirror and, and say, here's where we are, here's where we need to go, he- and, and, and this is our aim. And, and when we look at American soccer, it's real easy to get caught up in all of the chaos and mess that the Federation has created. They, their lack of leadership, they have abdicated their responsibilities, their duties to this country, they have not done their jobs. They have not organized soccer for the entire country. They have organized sanctioning levels uh, that go three levels deep, Major League Soccer, USL Championship, and USL League One, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. And after that, they've basically said, hands off, we're just going to let amateurs run around and do whatever amateurs want to do, and anybody else can kind of run around and do whatever they want to do, and we're going to let this organization sanction players and this organization sanction players and everybody can sanction players. That's a mess. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for conflict. And instead of doing their job and sanctioning players and sanctioning clubs and sanctioning leagues, they, they, have, they have basically done the opposite. They've not sanctioned leagues. They've not sanctioned clubs. They've not sanctioned players. And, and, and so what we have is this ginormous, chaotic, dysfunctional mess. And we need a way forward. And, and we need a way to, to get beyond where we are. And, and, the, and the truth of the matter is, if you get caught up looking at all of the messes, and there's a lot of those messes, you you can you can get caught up in in trying to figure out how to to fix messes without messing the the mess that already is up even more that's the wrong approach if you approach this from the you know 
if you think of this as, as two spec as a spectrum and you have two ends of the spectrum. So you've got um, you've got the the dysfunctional mess over here and you've got the um, solution over here. The right way to do it, the wrong way, the right way, the wrong way. When you have the, the right way and you have the wrong way uh, of doing things, and you start on the end of the wrong way of doing things, and you're trying to work your way to the solution, you're probably gonna get bogged down in problems. Instead, we need to think through how do we take this to where we need to be, meaning we work from a place of solutions. What does this need to look like in the end? Start there and work from that end backwards to figure out how we can come together to fix this mess and it is a mess um, if you're a club if you're a player if you're a coach linear is not part of your conversation pathway is is not a reasonable conversation in terms of step one step two step three step four it's all over the place um, there, you know, it, it, it's basically like going into a, a soccer maze and you're having to figure out which way to turn next. That's not how we should be doing things. That's not how we should be functioning. And, and ultimately one of the things that, that Chris Kessel and I talked about offline for a long time was how, you know, where should we go and how do we get there? And, um, so one of the things that we did is we, we did a, a project called the path forward and you can check that out at wrk.mn forward slash forward. Again, that is wrk.mn forward slash forward. And, um, it'll bring up a series on that page of 10 videos that we did talking through where we are, where we need to go. And, and part of that project lays out not only the solution, but how we get to that solution, how we move this country forward to, to be able to take the next step, to be able to turn, turn American soccer into not just the, the preeminent sport in America or a preeminent sport in America, but become the global leader in the game of football, the game of soccer. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's some basic components there, but uh, it boils down to a few principles. One is that we should have equal opportunity and access. So that requires a change in the way that we, we uh, sanction leagues and, and handle leagues. Leagues should be sanctioned at, at levels one through however low it goes, and they should be connected uh, through sporting merit. And that by doing that, now you have a network of leagues all over this country that are connected horizontally, they're connected vertically. So you now have a pathway. You now have a roadmap to get to the top. Um, that's a clear thing. It's something the Federation can do tomorrow. Um, and, and, and the reason they're not, quite frankly, is that uh, Sunil Gulati in the past, Carlos Cordero in the, in the present, Don Garber, they, they, they are all beholden to status quo, which is Major League Soccer. 
and and they're and they're not leading they're not changing things they're not they're they're not interested in you uh, if you're if you're not an MLS they're you're not really a concern for them because their main priority is major league soccer above all else and 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 they have said that as much and their actions prove as much and it's so what we've got to do is come together and we've got to as clubs around this country we've got to come together and unite under one banner in terms of ideology on a macro level now we can all have disagreements about specific rules and steps and whatever but on a on a big picture level we've got to come together under ideology i.e principle meaning equal opportunity and access and when we do that we have the ability to to change things and to make a better future for this country make a better future for american soccer and that's what i hope if I could give my son anything on his birthday today, it would be a better future for American soccer. I know he would love it. I know my my uh, younger son would love it. And, and all of you who every day are rooting for, working for, hoping for um, better American soccer uh, would love it as well. So, um, you know we'll see we'll see where we go but that that's where we that's what needs to happen and again you can check out that series at wrk.mn forward slash forward and um you know in 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 there you'll be able to uh be able to see and listen and watch uh you know kind of some of the things there's some slides that go along with the conversation that we had and um it's broken down into like 10 15 minute clips but uh i I think it would definitely be helpful if you're trying to figure out what where do we go if i'm if i'm with a club or if i'm a coach or if i'm a player i think this could give you some good insight so check it out uh the sponsor for today's show is charity water you can learn more about charity water at charitywater.org um, they provide clean drinking water to people all over the world. They are changing villages. They are changing lives. And uh, their work should be commended, and you should support it. So uh, check them out at charitywater.org. We will be right back after this with Chris Petley of the Tallahassee Soccer Club.
Welcome back into the show. Thanks for uh, sticking with us this morning. And uh, we're really, really happy to have joining us this morning, Chris Petley of the Tallahassee Soccer Club. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, man. First of all, uh, happy birthday to your son. That's awesome. Um, and thank you for putting a spotlight on the Gulf Coast Premier League these last uh, five or six days. I've tuned in every day at nine, and I think it's helped me really get a uh, understanding of what's going on around the league. And, and, you know, haven't had an opportunity to meet a lot of these folks in person, and it's been really insightful. So th- thanks for, for doing that. Well, I, I really do believe in in the project, and uh, I see a bright future ahead for the Gulf Coast Premier League. Um, in terms of the Gulf South, uh, you know, the, the NPSL has had a presence in, the, in kind of the SEC footprint for a while, um, but the Gulf South has, has really been, you know, non-existent for a long time in terms of high-level amateur soccer. And to watch what the GCPL has been able to do over these last, you know, five-plus five, five plus years or so as they kind of launched and, and, and continue to, to grow and to see this kind of I-10 corridor uh, blossom and, 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 and other areas, but particularly here in the Gulf South, uh, has been a delight to see, and uh, and I, like I said, I really believe in the long term aspirations of the league and in the project itself, and um, I think the country would be better uh, for it if we had more of these GCPL type leagues uh, around the country growing the game at a, at a grassroots level that can really begin to organize and shape the future of American soccer. So I, you know, I'm rooting for the, for the league and as a whole and uh, enjoy getting to know the clubs in the league uh, because ultimately that's where the strength comes from. Uh, we, we could all slap fancy labels on, on an organization and call it a league and what have you, but without the clubs, we don't have much. So, um, you know, it, it was great talking to Abram yesterday with uh, AFC Mobile, and uh, you know they've been kind of the league leaders these last couple of years in attendance and kind of seeing where they're at and talking you know with uh, Gulf Coast Rangers on Monday and and having Hattiesburg on on Tuesday, and then you guys are, are like Hattiesburg new to the league this year uh, on today. So tell us a little bit about that story, that journey to. You know, why even start Tallahassee Soccer Club in the first place? Yeah, well, you know, again, thank you. And it's an opportunity for us to tell that story. You know, about two years ago, I think uh, a lot of folks around the country, um, I read the, uh, I'm going to call it a manifesto uh, from Dennis Crowley, um, late night in in May, pretty much two years, right from right around now, um, read that and started really getting my mind churning. Um, I've been in, in the city of Tallahassee for almost 19 years. Um, grew up playing soccer, loving soccer, had a bunch of injuries, so wasn't able to go to college to, to play. Um, but I've been a fanatic since day one. Um, and I think that that evening in May, two years ago, just kind of, I think everything came together. Um, and, and I said, why not us? Um, look, looked at the map, which is kind of what you alluded to, right? Um, nothing but a desert between Pensacola and Jacksonville and even down to Orlando. That's kind of where Tallahassee sits right in the middle of all that. 
um, north up to Atlanta. There's there's really nothing around. Um, so started putting some thoughts to paper and uh, sent out a believe it or not a group text to to all of my buddies and with the link to the to the article and said you know why not us let's do it. Um, about ninety percent of them all wrote back this is dumb this is stupid you're never gonna make it happen but then one of them said I'm in and and I think from there uh, I have this this kind of story right uh, I always have these crazy ideas and I pitched my wife and she's like yeah that's not gonna work uh, when I brought this to her she said I'm in so there you got two people and then essentially spent the next year meeting with anybody and everyone that would would meet with me. Um, you know, elected officials, business leaders, soccer people, uh, really waiting for someone to say no. And then everyone we met with said, now's the time. This is this is a good idea. And from day one, it was about inclusivity, right? I've listened to uh, a lot of your your interviews with other folks with Generational Club. You know, it's, it's a major difference for us because we uh, do not have a club. I mean, this is essentially grassroots community startup soccer. Um, and it has been since day one. We, we have a, a nonprofit 501c3 status. We have a board of directors. And on that board of directors is a baker, a barber, um, a marketing expert, and, and just people who love the sport. And we have just really spent the last two years getting this thing off the ground to having our first game last week with AFC Mobile and uh, just learning everything we can and just keep pushing forward. Um, we're lucky that we have, a some really, really good academies in town, um, that we work with. We have our head coach is the director of one of them, the Florida elite. Um, and we have the other one in town, Warner soccer Academy. And, and again, we have great relationships with them. And our goal was always to highlight kind of what, what they're doing and, and, and put a spotlight on their players, uh, as, as we continue to put this thing together. That's fantastic. I, I love the fact that, uh, that you you know you sent you send the text out and and you know eighty percent of your buddies are like yeah this is not gonna happen and and you find the one and uh, then the one becomes two and then the two becomes four and then so on and so on. Uh, it's so important uh, to to find those people, those supporters, those believers in a dream and and whether that's a business, whether that's a soccer club, it, it doesn't matter. You know. There, there are always going to be critics. People are always going to be negative. And uh, if you don't believe me, just go on social media and, and observe for five minutes and you'll see it. Uh, critics are everywhere. It's easy to criticize. It is much harder to roll up your sleeves and do actual work and build things. And when you find someone who is willing to, to get dirty and and, and put in the sweat equity and, and the, the, the time and the, the resources to build something and, and then to, to, to start to see that come to fruition. It, there is such a, a joy in that process and in that journey. It's hard, but it's so good when it works out. And uh, it seems like you guys are, are, are on the right path. Um, I, I was at your game this past Saturday in Mobile uh, to watch the AFC Mobile Tallahassee match and um, one of the things that that stood out to me as a as a club playing your first match in the GCPL it seemed like your team had a way that they wanted to play an identity um, 
how important was it for you guys when you were figuring out what you were going to be and how this whole thing was going to look like, et cetera, was it to figure out a, a philosophy or a way that you wanted to play as a club? You know, it, we, we've always had really two paths and, and we're, we're just very, very lucky to have coach Josh Bruno um, be able to lead the, the, that part of the path, right. Uh, on field and, and player development, um, identifying the players. And he's always been, uh, I think very clear with the athletes to, of how, how we're going to play. Um, but again, that was, that was our first game and, and watching practice this, this whole week to see just that next step. Now that we've had time on the field um, to, to keep working with those guys, um, you know, a lot of the other teams, and I know Hattiesburg is their first year, but you know, a lot of these other teams that we'll be going up against have played together uh, 80, 75% of their team for a couple of years now. And then even beyond that, you know, I think there's six, seven, eight guys from William Carey on Hattiesburg that have played together for three, four years. You know, we, we truly have a community team. I mean, we have uh, five folks that go to Florida State University, three folks from FAMU, uh, Florida A&M University, uh, four or five from Thomasville, which is an NAIA school up the road. We have um, a player from Akron, a player from Pepperdine, players from up in Tifton, Georgia, Valdosta. I mean, we, we have drawn in um, through a process since November when we had open tryouts. We built this whole team through open tryouts. Um, and so to, to just see that on, on Saturday was, was amazing. I mean, uh, praise to AFC for coming back, but there was, you know, four minutes after that wonder goal from Pete Love um, that I thought we were actually going to, you know, start our year off with a win. And I mean, that was, that was just a, an amazing feeling. Um, but I think we're, we'll continue to get better as the guys play together. Cause realistically that was the first time that those guys had been on the field together for that long. Um, but, you know, we've always been focused on, especially in the first year, um, believe it or not, I mean, is, is the off-field experience, right? Is the game day experience, is to make sure that the community knows that this is a community club and that, um, you know, we, we want – I think when, when you're selling that, um, regardless of what happens on the field, people walk away with a good feeling. And I think we'll continue to do that. The players will continue to get used to playing with each other. Um, the team will get stronger as we go through the year. Uh, our average age of our player of our team right now is 22.8, so say 23 years old. So we've got a very young team, not a, not a lot of players um, over the age of 27. So uh, it's going to be interesting throughout the year. As you were as you were um, putting together th- this project that became Tallahassee Soccer Club, um, and you you mentioned earlier that that you went around the community you were reaching out to elected officials you were business leaders community organizers the soccer clubs in the area what was that conversation like i know you said that you weren't meeting a lot of resistance but what was the conversation like for the audience who maybe you maybe they maybe there is a club somewhere or in this country and they're trying to figure out how to get started or maybe maybe they feel like they've been operating but they could do things better and and they're they have hit some roadblocks and they're trying to figure out how do we kind of take the next step as a club what did you what was that conversation like with those those community leaders in terms of this entire conversation and project 
you know, getting started and, and being launched? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the number one, uh, I think there's two, two points here. As I say, there's not number one, let me go two points. I think, first of all, the community of lower division soccer has been just unbelievable. Uh, I know you had Abram on, I've spent, you know, hours talking with Abram, um, picking his brain over text messages and social media and other members of our board, you know, give, getting advice from them on how to, how to move forward. Uh, up, uh, up in the uh, Caleb County, Coach John Hall, he, he's, he's been just su- supremely helpful. Dennis Crowley got on the phone with me. I mean, I think, you know, the ability to just reach out to clubs and get, you know, no, one's, no one has any secrets here. We all kind of like you're saying, rising tide lifts all boats. We're all trying to build something bigger than just our city. So I think the number one thing is to, is to never feel that you can't pick up the phone or, or fire off an email to another club that, you know, that it's going to be a burden on them. I think there are a lot of people in this country that want to help other clubs get, get up and running. So I think that's, that's very important if, if that's the universe we're talking to right now, because that, you know, that's what I did. And I think that's what a lot of other people do. I mean, we're using, you know, some of the, the forms and documents we're using are from other clubs directly um, because that's, that's the advice they gave us. Um, but I will say you have to be, when you're in a room, you're meeting with some of these folks and, and you got to know what your vision is and what your ultimate, you know, plan is. And for us, it was putting players on the field that live here, work here, grew up here, um, and having fans be able to come find something of their own. Um, not to take anything away from the colleges in Tallahassee, but you know, this is, this is driven by the success of Florida state, our, our little community here. Um, and then the capital being the capital of the fourth largest state in the country. So that those two factors drive what goes on in the city, but there, there is always a, a want to have something that is just Tallahassee, right? We don't have any minor league sports here. Um, we don't have a lot of things going on in the summer. So I think there, there's a lot of a perfect wave approach um, to, to getting buy-in from these folks, but then to also make sure, again, your vision has to come through clearly. And from day one, that was our vision. And when you get, when you have an elected official in the room, you know, they want to help their constituents too. And they want to see things that can drive the local economy by, you know, having people come out to local restaurants and, and, and purchase things in the community. So as long as you do your research, talk to clubs, and, and you are concrete in what your vision is, I think that's, that's what's important. And whatever that vision may be, just, just stick to it and make sure you can sell it. So Tallahassee, for, for the audience who, who probably only know Tallahassee because of Florida State, what is the community like for, for, the, for the viewer or the listener Describe the describe the city. Describe the area. What is what is Tallahassee, and, and why is it such a, a unique place in the state of Florida compared to maybe you know Panhandle? You've got Pensacola, and then obviously you have your Miamis and Orlandos and Tampas, etc. But but why is Tallahassee at, at such a kind of a, a unique spot, and, and why do you think that helps you as you build this club? Yeah, you know, I think in the last since since maybe the the change of the millennium, we've we've undergone just a, a kind of a, a next iteration of what Tallahassee is. And I think, um, you know, from from our chamber of commerce and our elected folks and our businesses, 
you know, they've, they've made a real strong point to go search out what's, what's working in other communities around the country, right? So, so I think we are a good combination, and, and it may be thrown around a lot, but of a, a small, real small town America um, that's, a, that's a medium-sized population, right? I think combined, given our geographic uh, area, we're, we're plus 200,000 people. 250, I think, is, is where we're looking. But um, when you add in a mix of uh, being the, the capital, you, you bring to, to town the elected leaders and the lobbyists and the attorneys and, and everything that goes with that, and folks kind of fall in love with the, the, the architecture and the feel of, of where we are. We sit somewhere in the uh, maybe a mix of New Orleans and Savannah and that kind of feel with architecture, Spanish moss and oak trees in our city. Um, but we, like I said, we've kind of gone through like this next iteration where um, maybe we're, we're going to be Austin light or Nashville light uh, with um, a lot of new development. You can't walk uh, 50 feet in our city without seeing a crane. Um, the construction is just everywhere and it's all modern, uh, very new uh, apartments and townhomes and hotels and restaurants. And we're really going through quite a boom and all of that is taking place i'm going to tangent here um in the downtown area you know it's funny to say downtown right because that's four or five blocks but that's our downtown um and that's why it was it's just vital for the success of what we're doing to make sure that our field and our home field was in that location so we uh we have a great partnership with florida state university uh and we're playing on the at their main sports complex which is located directly across the street from Dilt Campbell Stadium. Um, but also, as important, it's, it's located across from one of the brand new developments that I'm kind of talking about, which is called College Town. And in there, you've got multiple bars and eateries and restaurants, but then also on top of that, apartments. And, and it, that's part of the Austin light is kind of what we're saying. There's, there's just a slew of, of people who live there now. And, uh, you know, our games are played... 15 feet from probably the most popular bar in 400 miles. Uh, I think it might be more of a bar or restaurant, but Madison social and to get their buy-in um, and, and having some cross promotion has been supremely successful because again, it's, it's an experience that I don't think a lot of lower division soccer clubs are able to have. And we're lucky to have it this year, hopefully years, years moving forward um, to where again, we're, we're playing and across the street, you've got just, um, you know, people out enjoying nightclubs and eating and we have reentry into our game so people can walk in and out and um, drink a, a, our club specific beer that's brewed by our brewery partner, Grasslands. Um, so I think just a lot of things have come together, but uh, Tallahassee is definitely kind of reinventing itself and, and we're, we're going to be, uh, let's call it a, a, a small modern city uh, within the next two, two, three years here. So let's talk on the field for just a second. Uh, going into this season, you mentioned that you you wanted to have a a core that was Tallahassee based uh, or from Tallahassee had some roots or connection to the city of Tallahassee as players in your club uh, on the field in terms of the play. What were there any goals or conversations about? what success on the field would look like for you guys going into this year, uh, any 
aspirations or ambitions or anything like that, like that, that you were thinking about or, or having discussions about going into this year in terms of here's where, here's what we're going to judge our success on the field based on, you know, X factors. Yeah. I mean, on the field, really, we just wanted to be competitive, right? I mean, we just, we want to just show kind of send statements around the, the area that, that the talent lives here, right? That's a Tallahassee thing. TLH talent lives here. Um, so we just want to be competitive. Now, if we can string together some wins and, and, and really catch fire, you know, that's, that's unbelievable, but we want to be competitive. Uh, we want to, we want to score some goals obviously and, and make sure our fans uh, get to enjoy that. But I think as long as we're competitive, we're accomplishing what we set out for in year one. Again, this is, it's an expansion team. Like I'm saying, we, we have started through the open tryout process. We don't have, uh, we don't have the generational clubs underneath us. Although again, our coach has known a lot of these players since they've been younger. Um, you know, as long as we're, as long as we're competing and we're doing the best we can on the field and we're providing um, a game day experience off the field and we're engaging our community and doing community service, you know, that that's success for us year one. When you, when you started having this conversation with your buddies and and then most of them said no, and then you found the one and then your wife uh, s- became number two and, and it grew from there. What was the dream? What was the long-term dream of, of starting this club, this project, you know, if you could fast forward five, 10, 15 years from now, what would you want this to develop into? What are your aspirations or, or goals on, on that level on a macro level for the Tallahassee soccer club. Yeah. And I think, I think it's very complicated because I think the dream has changed as we've kind of reached benchmarks and, 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 you know, hit milestones in the growth of the club. I think, you know, it has to be about the players. Um, what we really love to have is to, is to be able to spotlight some of these guys and some of these athletes so that, you know, whether they can, they can be seen by, by colleges so they can get scholarships or opportunities to play so they can continue to better their, their lives. I think it, you know, it's also um, one of, one of our, our top five pillars here is that we, and I know you talk about this every day and aspirationals for clubs, but you know, we, we have no intention to, to grow bigger than what's sustainable. And I think, you know, we, we always have focused on, we just, we want to be sustainable so that we can stay here, that we're not one of those clubs that pop up and they're gone in two years. Um, so I think we, we would love to get, you know, our players to be highlighted for them to get scholarships to, I mean, who knows, sign a contract one day to, to go play professionally and, and earn a living doing something that they love. Um, that That's always really been the goal of ours is to highlight these guys. Um, and to build something for them, right? Because this is elite amateur. They're not getting paid. They're they're giving up two, three, four nights a week um, to to chase their own dreams. So we've always just wanted to set up the best situation we can for the players. Um, but like I said, as we've reached milestones and as we've, you know, we actually played a game and we were able to put guys on a bus and send them over to Mobile and come back and everything was okay. You know, you find the next things, and and it's, you know. I know people throw it around a lot, but right now our team is a family. I mean, these guys have just come together because we're all part of something that's never been done before here in Tallahassee. Um, 
and it becomes the guys are your family, but then the families of these guys become family. And it's, you know, then it, it becomes a goal for, you know, to give them an opportunity to play in front of their parents and families and friends. And those are the things that really keep our board of directors going because, you know, not one of us is making any money. This has never been about money. And I think that's also unique for us is that this has not been, it's not a, <laughs> there, it's not a business. It, it truly is um, a community passion project for everyone involved. And I think that also allows us to do a lot of different things. And uh, when you have businesses come and elected leaders come knowing that, you know, every dollar they put into this is going to take care of the players, which has been our goal, then you get more, a little more buy-in, at least in my mind. No, that, that makes complete sense. I want to touch on or, or, or go back to something you just said, which is sustainability. Uh, I talk about this a lot in terms of clubs. Club viability is a word that I use, which which sustainability is is definitely a large part of of that that process for me of, of a club being viable. First and foremost, they've got to be sustainable. They've got to be able to be here three, five, ten, fifteen years from now, um, and and so the the way that that clubs operate, the way that leagues operate and the demands uh that clubs have on themselves as well as the demands that leagues put on clubs need to always keep that in mind that at the end of the day um, in order to have a healthy system on a national level we need a, a a national collection of healthy clubs sustainable viable clubs um when when you when you guys are having that conversation about sustainability uh, and, and trying to figure out, okay, how do we get this thing launched, but also how do we stick around? What were you guys trying to do to ensure sustainability in terms of, you know, actions that you were taking or conversations you were having, or, or maybe it was commercial partnerships that you were looking at? What, what was, what, what was the, the conversation internally about revenues to be able to be sustainable uh, in terms of maybe on a macro level, a budget or or a, a specific number that you were targeting and, and kind of how to achieve that target. Because I think, you know, for you guys as a club that, that launches this year into the Gulf Coast Premier League um, and starting from scratch, you know, you are you are kind of uh, providing in real time, you have the, the opportunity to provide a lot of clubs with some incredible data and info about, you know, how to, how to launch successfully, but also launch sustainably. So what was that like for you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we face uh, the same budgetary issues that every lower division soccer club uh, faces, but I think, you know, we might not be, let me rephrase. I mean, we, we have one it's travel, right? Travel is the big denominator. There's the two major things that you have, uh, in, in my opinion, for these clubs is going to be travel and it's going to be your field rentals. Um, so, you know, we set out to try to figure out a way forward because, you know, Gulf Coast Premier League, you've got, uh, what is it, Daphne, you got uh, the Rangers in Daphne, Alabama, you have Pensacola right there, you got Mobile, Gulfport, Hattiesburg you know, they're getting to each other in, in an hour, an hour and a half. I mean, you know, that they, they're really close geographically. Um, we, we're making a minimum of a four hour trip every single away game. 
uh, I think we did the math. I mean, we're we're going to be 3,000 miles traveled in five away games and 40 plus hours com- combined in vans and buses. And so, I mean, once we were able to to wrap our heads around what that would take and what that would cost, and 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 I figure out how to get there, then became the field issues. Um, and again, we've always had our minds set on the location where we are. And it's and it's it's a big task, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, we're essentially building a stadium five times a year. If, and if we get to the playoffs, you know, six times, um, we've taken a patch of grass that is just kind of an open field and we're, we're bringing in bleachers and we have to bring in power and, and food and water and build tent, you know, locker rooms for halftime. We've taken a, I mean, I joke with folks now, I think the, the idea really is now you become a, an engineer. And I think that's the more, more apt definition of what you're doing when you're putting these lower lower division soccer teams together because all you do is solve problems um you know so we we've taken a mini pod put it at the field and and that stores kind of all of our things we need on game day we've turned the side of it into a scoreboard because there was no scoreboard at this stadium we've taken the top of it and turned it into a press box so that we can put a camera up there and live stream um so I think when you're looking at what you're trying to accomplish, you got to figure out your field rentals and, and if that matters to what your brand is, because we could have gone to the high school turf stadium with a bazillion lines on it for a, you know, a fraction of what it's cost. Um, but that's not what we wanted for our team. And that's not what we thought would be successful for the fans. Um, and then once you identify your travel, if you can get past those two big barriers, I think, you know, you're a, everything's everything's open from there that makes sense and i think that's really good insight um this coming up tomorrow night you host your first ever gcpl league match official regular season match uh with the gulf coast rangers football club uh that are based uh, in daphne alabama um they're traveling over tomorrow to play seven eastern there in uh in tallahassee um, I'm going to try to make it over for the match uh, myself. Oh, that'd be awesome. I, I'd like to come and, and check everything out. Um, so with your, you know, everything that you have going on there tomorrow night, what, what is the, what, what's the talk and, and what are you thinking? What are, what, are you, what are you hoping for tomorrow? What are you planning for tomorrow? What, what, what's the talk in the community? Is there a lot of excitement, buzz? Is everybody gearing, gearing up for this? Um, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, we we opened up our first game. Right. And I think it's some parallels with uh, maybe baseball, right. Opening day, people come out for opening day. So the, the, the task for us since we started, you know, not since we started, but within the last eight months, six months was always, what is, what is game two going to look like? Um, so, you know, we, we hosted a, a friendly with Savannah two weeks ago, had about 700 people come out for our first game, had three different lightning delays. And we still had about 300 or so folks uh, there throughout the entirety after three lightning delays. A lot of them, like I alluded to earlier, walked over the 15 feet to some of the bars and they just kind of stayed there. Um, but, you know, that was a great night. So, but we've always been focused on game two. And I think there still continues to be be a buzz. I think we expect uh, maybe 400 or so. It's going to be beautiful, beautiful out tomorrow. Um, but you know, the, the, the off field stuff, I think is going to take care of itself. You know, we continue to use, use all of our, our channels um, to, to advertise and, and, and uh, make sure that we try to get folks to come out and watch our guys and support them. Um, 
we had a special message from the mayor. We're going to continue to push out things like that to, to, to try to get folks. But I think that there still is a buzz. Um, we had, you know, not the greatest goal in the history of the world, but we had a great, you know, great social media moment last week in AFC with, with our uh, midfielder, Pete Love. Um, and I think when people see that and they realize that, you know, we, we are putting together high level soccer and then they hear uh, some of the things we have going on as far as the game day experience, we hope that that just builds on itself for tomorrow and uh, moving forward next weekend with Pensacola. But on the field, you know, we know we're going up against Jan and the, the, the conference MVP and the goal scorer. We know we're going up against um, a really, really good team. Um, so again, as long as we can, can, can stay competitive on the field and uh, stay true to coach Bruno's game plan, um, you know, we, we, we think we might surprise some folks tomorrow. So the, the excitement is building. You, you, you've reached out, you, you've obviously been doing a lot of networking, a lot of promoting, a lot of conversations, communications. Uh, I think that's one of the things that is often overlooked. Uh, I don't know, uh, how much or uh, if at all you follow Gary Vaynerchuk, but one of the things that I love about Gary uh, when he's talking about business and just, you know, uh, really life in a, in a lot of ways is is about the hustle and, and putting in the dirty work. It's real easy to get caught up in the lights and the glamour and, you know, the the after effects of hard work. And, you know, a, a, a lot of times you'll see the uh, a label thrown out there when when someone has success and they're like, man, they were they were an overnight sensation or, or an overnight success. And there, 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 that is very rare that in most cases, overnight success isn't, isn't real. It doesn't exist. It is the culmination of often years upon years, in some cases, decades of just hustle, belief, bloody noses, sweat equity, tears, going broke. I mean, you just, it, it, it is a grind and, and, um, and so you're, you're, it, it's, it's really like climbing Everest, you know, you're, you're grinding, you're working, you're working. And then finally you reach the pinnacle and then everybody can see you at the top. And it's like, Oh, well, that's amazing. It was overnight. Like, like a helicopter just dropped you at the top of Everest. Uh, no buddy, we, we've been, we've been grinding for a long time. We've been hustling for a long time. Or in your case, you guys have been connecting, networking, etc. Um, as we kind of come to a close here, what, what would be your parting advice for for a, a soccer club somewhere here in the U.S. who maybe they've already launched, but they're wanting to to build and and take their next steps and kind of reach a, a higher level, or maybe they're like you were two years ago and they're going, man, I, I I think I can do this. I think this is doable. I would like to do this. Um, I, I'm just not sure what I need to do to get started. What would be some advice that you would give them? Uh, knowing what you know now, two years in, building this and, and growing this uh, and hatching this project, uh, you know, from scratch? Uh, I think, I mean, I think you nailed it. I think you used two words that we use um, with our players and with our board, uh, and it doesn't ever stop. I mean, it's, it's a grind, and we remind our players of that every single practice and then the hustle. Um, you know, many, many hundreds of, you know, sleepless nights up all night just trying to figure out what what the next path is but I think I've alluded to a uh, the same things I'm going to bring up again earlier in the conversation is 
you know, reach out to other clubs and ask them what they would do. Um, and just meet with everybody. Who, who are the smartest people in your city? Who, who is, who are the elected officials? Who, you know, what business leaders do you see doing really cool things? Just go meet with them. Tell them what your thoughts are, because I guarantee you, everyone has stake in the game. If it's about the city that you're from. Right. And I think that's also important. Like I said, is knowing your vision. It can't be about you personally, right? This has never been about me starting a soccer team. It's been about what can we do for this city, for these players, for these families. And then when you, when you have that conversation with people that are smarter than you, they'll give you the ideas and, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll kind of guide you, but you got to stay on the grind, right? It's, it's basically connecting the dots and just following the path. Meet with one person. They'll say, hey, you know what? Go meet with these two people. Go meet with them. I mean, you just continuously build. And I think another thing, like you said, that we have, at least right now, I mean, we're, we're two games into this thing, but, you know, we, we're not, we don't settle. I mean, every night it's what else can we do? Um, you know, we're, we're now looking into figuring out how to do something with our, our second team. Uh, you know, we've got so many guys that we found at this level um, trying to put together an 18-game roster, 18-man uh, game day roster is hard. Um, and, you know, what do you do for those other folks? So something's always going to come up. So just be nice to everybody, meet with everybody, and just keep and just keep doing that. But if you're married, make sure you take care of your spouse. Uh, I mean, and I, I'm joking about it, but my house right now looks like a warehouse. My, I have no dining room. It's covered in merchandise and game balls and coolers. I mean, you know, that, that's a major part of it is, is, and I think that's kind of what, as my wife would say, we didn't understand that part of it, that yes, it was going to take over our lives, but you know, it's one thing to, to have a passion project. It's another where it's taken over your whole house. And I know I'm not, um, I've talking to the, I've, I've spoken with the guys at AFC. It's similar there similar up in uh, Caleb. So, I mean, you got to be prepared for some of this and make sure that all of your relationships are where they need to be because um, I'm staring at boxes and boxes and boxes in my own house right now. So, Well, I, lo- I love the behind the scenes and the reality check because, uh, like I said, a lot of people, they start a soccer club and they think, hey, man, in, in like five years, we're going we're gonna to be like Barcelona. Um, yeah, no. it, Nobody. It's going to be a hustle. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be a lot of hard work and uh, and and a lot of uh, makeup date nights as well uh, to make sure that the, the wife stays happy, uh, even though her dining room uh, she can't eat at because she's got boxes of T-shirts uh, sitting sitting on the table. True, true story. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, that that's definitely a big part of it. And um, and I think, you know, it's important for for people to, to realize that and to understand like that is that is part of uh, creating something from nothing, regardless of whether it's a soccer club or a business or uh, or some other organization, you have to work at it and and realize it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be, you know, um, Instagram approved uh, in terms of, you know, living your best life and all, all those great hashtags. Uh, Sometimes it, it's dirty laundry and and uh, and, and somebody's got to do it and, and it's it's going to be you and so uh, being willing to roll up your sleeves, hustle, work, grind, etc. is is definitely important. So Chris, thanks for coming on the show and thanks for uh, 
giving us some insight and behind the scenes of the Tallahassee Soccer Club. I, um, I hope to make it out tomorrow. I'd love to check out uh, everything there in Tallahassee and um, and, and taking taking a game there. Um, and uh, good luck on the on the season. And uh, as you said, even more important than just this season, the ability to have uh, seasons to come in the future as well. So good luck with all of that. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. If you make it over, definitely send me a text and we'll take care of you. Sounds good, man. All right. That was uh, Chris. That was Chris Petley of the Tallahassee Soccer Club. Uh, like to thank him for uh, coming on the show and um, and and talking with us. It was a uh, round four of the five days of uh, the show this week were the Gulf Coast Premier League. That was not an accident. This league is is doing some really good things. They're building um, not only in quantity, but in quality as well. And uh, to see where this league is now and where it's going, is it's really, really good to see. And so uh, look forward to checking out other games and other clubs uh, throughout uh, the season uh, coming up uh, over these next uh, few weeks and months. So. Uh, thanks for watching the show. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Gerardo Flores of the Gulf Coast Rangers Football Club for coming on Monday. Tuesday was Drew Siders of Hattiesburg, um, and uh, they had a really good opening night Wednesday night uh, with a 1-0 win against Port City to launch their GCPL campaign. So uh, kudos to them up in Hattiesburg and Drew and all the, all the, the crew up there in Hattiesburg. Wednesday, we had James Myers, Antia. James uh, is a coach, a scout. And, uh, man, it was a great conversation about culture and being a baller and the mentality you need to, to play at the highest level. Um, yesterday, we had on Abram Chamberlain of AFC Mobile, and um, it was it was great uh, catching up with Abram. And then, obviously, today, having Chris Petley on with the Tallahassee Soccer Club. Uh, if you want to learn more about GCPL soccer in general, you can find them at GCPL Soccer on Twitter or any of these clubs. You can look them up and find them as well. So thanks for tuning into the show. We look forward uh, to seeing everybody again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.